Hi, my name is uh, Robert L. McCullough. I'm a longtime member of the Writers Guild of America, to whom I owe a lot of credit. Um, and I've been a television writer, film writer, uh, producer, and showrunner for a long, long time. And as one ages, one kind of changes perspective. And I'm at the point now where you know, the experience of running a television show is really about hiring writers. And uh, throughout my history, I really enjoyed working with new writers, you know, kind of discovering people who are trying to break in and they have some ability and then helping them succeed, uh, which is now translated into my wife and I both conduct the Santa Barbara International Screenplay Awards, the Wiki Screenplay Contest and the Palm Springs Screenplay Awards, in which we solicit entries and uh, looking looking for the best scripts to really encourage and help people kind of uh, refine their abilities, you know, because it's beyond competitive out there. And if you're not really ready for it, uh, it can just be a life of frustration. So that's kind of what I'm about right now. Uh, I've got four books out on Amazon about screenwriting, one of which I have right here. Uh, the best selling one is format your screenplay like a pro because most people fail at the formatting step. You know, they have a great story idea they can actually write, but your screenplay is not going to get read unless it looks like a screenplay. There's an industry standard that you really have to conform to, and it, it evolves over time, and it certainly has since the 70s, I think, when William Goldman wrote Cut To Between Every Single Line of Stage Direction. Uh, that's kind of passe. So um, we just really enjoy working with young writers and new writers. One of our contests features older writers and People who are kind of, they're, they're a little disenfranchised from the industry because of either age, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, things like that. So we deal with all kinds of writers and because I think, you know, there's a lot of mystique about screenwriting and it's very simple. Have a really good story, write it in the proper format and then get it out there. You know, a lot of people write a script and it sits on their desk or they put it in a drawer and they might write 10 or 12 of them, but nobody ever sees them. You know, Emily Dickinson was a failed poet until she died. And I don't think that's the key to anybody's uh, successful career, frankly. Oh, and uh, how did you kind of start your career? How did you kind of get into filmmaking? Well, it was, uh, I went to USC because I wanted to be a dentist. And then when I flunked organic chemistry, I realized that was not going to happen. So I kind of trans transferred into the film school, film department, and really fell in love with film editing because that's really a writing process. I'd always been writing since I was small. I wrote short stories when I was seven, much to, to the approval of my family, of course, because I wasn't getting dirty, you know. Um, anyway, after USC... Uh, I realized I needed a little bit more knowledge, frankly, a more technical basis. And I went to U University of Texas in the film school there uh, and subsequently wound up going to AFI. I was in the, the second original class. It was a fellowship program at that time. It was free. It was fantastic. I got to work with George Stevens Jr. and Tony Villani, people like that, Frank Danielle. And uh, in my class was David Lynch and a number of guys like that. But at the same time, I had, through the grad school program, I had met a bunch of executives in the in entertainment industry. They had a convocation at Stanford that I attended. And I was kind of working then. I was hustling constantly. I had little business cards printed up when I was a graduate student, and I handed them to everybody at this conference. And I got a call one day from the president of NBC, and he said that he'd like to meet me. 
Well, I had nothing else to do. Uh, and he said, I want you to work here at NBC and I want you to start at the bottom. And he made me a page. That's really a glorified usher. So I spent about six or seven weeks ushering old ladies into let's make a deal and laughing. But while I was there, I saw that the writers on laughing were really having the most fun. And I kind of, it kind of reignited my interest in writing. Uh, so I wrote a whole bunch of jokes for Laugh-In, which they wound up in airing, which was very flattering. I got no money for it. You know, a lot of writers are afraid of being ripped off. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're going to be ripped off until you start getting paid. Because when you're starting, you don't have any real protection and you're eager to just see something get made. Well, I was very lucky to see some stuff show up on Laugh-In. And then I discovered a job at Paramount Studios really as a gopher on two very big hit shows at the time, Mission Impossible and Mannix. And I went over there, had a quick interview, kind of really broke down the door, if you will. I didn't wait to be invited. I just showed up at the studio gates and kind of finagled my way into this guy's office and wound up working at Paramount for a couple of years as a gopher. Everybody knows what that means. You go get lunch. You get the boss's car washed. You pick up his girlfriend at the airport. You do anything you possibly can and you show up. You're the first one there in the morning and the last one to leave at night. So you pay your dues. And that's what I did. And while I was there, I was, this is long before the internet and before you could find a screenplay or a script or even read. Uh, Larry Edmonds bookstore had some old plays, but they weren't television scripts or screenplays. So I went through the studio at night, stealing scripts off of desks. I'd read them at night and I'd bring them back the next morning before anybody else showed up for work. And, you know, I got away clean with that, but I learned how to write a script by reading hundreds of other scripts. And Ultimately, wound up at Universal Studios uh, working as a location manager. So I really learned the whole production thing about filmmaking while employed at low level jobs, but learning everything, learning what a set, how a set works, you know, how how actors are treated and how they treat everybody else uh, and how and where the writers fit in. And it was always clear to me that the writers had the power, you know, without the script, nobody goes to work. So that was very inspirational to me. And um, a guy named Ken Johnson, who was producing a TV show at Universal at the time, asked me what I really wanted to do. And I pulled out 17 story ideas for him and he he bought one. And that's how I got into the Writers Guild. And once you're in the system, things begin to snowball. You become recognized as somebody who can deliver on time, on budget and who doesn't need a lot of hand-holding, if you will. And next thing you know, I had always been looking for an agent. Suddenly, agents are looking for me. And that's kind of how I got in. That's how it evolved. And then the trick is, you know, don't lose your place in line. Work hard every single time. Be willing to collaborate with all kinds of people. And, uh, you know, don't don't be too precious about your material. Everybody gets rewritten. Very rare. I don't I've never heard of a screenwriter who wasn't either fired off his own project or rewritten quite painfully sometimes. If you read, I'm a big fan of William Goldman's work. Um, if you read his two books, you'll learn a lot about kind of sucking it up and moving on, you know. Is there any times uh, that that kind of happened to you where you were kind of kicked off a project? Oh, many times. Yeah, yeah. I've, I I uh, co-created a couple of major hit shows and 
two or three years down the road, the, the studio figures out they're paying you way too much money and they can get somebody to do it cheaper and they just terminate your contract. I, I've had that happen a couple of times. I've also had the, been in the position of having a pilot sold, get picked up, order backup scripts, the whole nine yards, and suddenly they change direction. They didn't really want a comedy. What they wanted was a heavy drama. And because I'd written a comedy pilot, they said, well, you can't write drama. So I got kicked off of that one as well. But it's just part of the game, you know. If you're if your ego precedes everything you do, you're not going to be able to do very much, frankly. And I think a lot of people want to know how, you know, uh, want to get the jobs at Paramount and Universal. How did you even get a like a PAing job at Paramount? How how did that work? Well, I was I was okay. The details are I was an usher at NBC making $185 a week and wearing a blue blazer with my name tag on it in the heat of summer. And frankly, I didn't like the job very much because it was, I didn't feel like I was learning much other than the fact that I was on major sets like Laugh-In. And I heard about a job at Paramount Studios that was available each, uh, I believe it was November of each year. Well, this, I was, this was May and I, and he's, and I knew that the person who offered the job would interview all the ushers, all the pages. There were 16 of us, I think at the time. He would, he would interview all 16 guys, all boys at the time, young men, and then he would make his choice. And I'm thinking, wait a second, this is May, November is how many months away? I'm just going to go find out who this guy is. So I drove up to the Paramount gates. I had an envelope with his name on it. And I said to the guard at the gate, I have a delivery for Mr. Crane. And the guard at the gate said, oh, great, just go over here, park over here. And his office is down the way. I walked into his office. I met his his nice reception area and a very stern Germanic uh, reception secretary. Her name was Olga. She said, what, do, what can I do for you? I said, I'm here to meet with Mr. Crane. Do you have an appointment? No, but I just want to say hi because I understand there's a job opening in November. She said, oh, I'll come back in November. That's when he talks to people. And I said, tell you what, I'm just going to sit here. And if he has two minutes, I just want to say hello. She said, you can sit here all day if you want, but he's too busy. So the guy I was hoping to interview with kept walking past me. I sat there for between six and seven hours straight. I didn't even get up to go to the restroom because I didn't want to miss him. Finally, five o'clock in the evening, he says, who are you and why are you here? Went into his office. We had a quick chat. He said, great, nice meeting you. I'm not hiring until November. Great. At least I had that in that foot in the door. I went back to work the next day at NBC. The phone rings on the laugh-in set. My job was to answer the phone. I answer the phone. They say, uh, we're looking for Bob McCullough. I said, well, this is Bob McCullough. Oh, Mr. Crane wants you to start tomorrow. Are you available? So that's how I got that job. A lot of chutzpah, uh, the ability to present yourself very well and um, be willing to take chances. What's the worst that can happen? People say, no, you get kicked out of an office. So what? You know, there are a lot of offices in town. So I, I, you know, I kind of violated protocol, if you will, but at least I got in the door. And once you're in the door, I was on the Paramount lot for almost five years. My goodness, you learn a lot and now you're on the inside. You're part of the industry. And it was a very low paying job. I think it was $125 a week, but at least I was there. I was hanging around directors and actors and cameramen and observing the writers. And I noticed that the writers came in late, left early. They wore beautiful, you know, V-neck cashmere sweaters and tennis shoes, and they kind of had a cool lifestyle. But who wouldn't want that, right? And do you feel like you got contacts when you're working at Paramount or because you're kind of PAing, people don't look at you that oh, way or were you? No, 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 no. It's, well, it's a question of, are you a personable kind of person, you know? 
you introduce yourself to people, you're friendly, you offer to help no matter what it is. And uh, I became friendly with the producers on the shows for, for which I was PAing. Uh, we weren't even called PAs. We were just slaves, right? No, you become friendly. And, and I was home writing every night. You have to understand, once I just decided I really wanted to, to write and succeed at this, I didn't go home and watch television. I went home and wrote. I mean, day and night, basically. So I walked in one day and I had a script for the show I was working on because I thought I could write it because I'd read all the scripts. My goodness, this looks easy. And I gave it to the producer. I said, would you mind reading this? And it took about four attempts. Finally, he handed me the script back with his handwritten notes all over it. And it changed my world. It awakened me to what it really takes to write a professional script in the, at that time. His name was Bruce Lansbury. He was the brother of Angela Lansbury. And uh, he was producing Mission Impossible at the time. And I kind of credit him with really being the inspiration for the paying it forward kind of a thing that uh, my wife and I do now with our screenplay contests and with the books I write. we re I really do want to help others follow in my footsteps. And it's not easy, but it can't, if I did it, trust me, anybody can do it. And then, uh, you know, as you're kind of going, you know, starting to make a career for yourself, is there any big uh, stuff you mm -hmm. have to overcome? Like we had a director on recently that he got his first big music video and at the last take, he accidentally deletes all the footage. Is there anything that Ooh. on set that you had to kind of uh, figure out as you go? Well, I've had actors throw scripts at my head. Uh, That's always good. <laughs> uh, it, it, before I could defend myself before I, I mean, I was so shocked, you know uh, I mean, seriously, I've had Academy award winning actors throw scripts at my head and shout, let me act because I wrote too much on the page. You know, I told them which way to look or how to inflect a line of dialogue, things like that. So I've learned a lot along the way. Uh, I've also learned that once you're in, once you move up the ranks from kind of a freelance writer to, at least in the world of television, to a story editor, to executive story consultant, to the kind of second tier producer, I wound up being executive producer, supervising producer in a couple of big shows. And at that point in time, the script is everything. The script is gold. And the actors and everybody else has to kind of fall in line. And when they don't, it creates a lot of conflict. And I've had many conflicts. I've had actors come nose to nose with me and threaten to punch my lights out because I wouldn't change the line of dialogue. But the fact is in television, the writer is really in charge of the direction the show goes in. I've also had one comes to mind. Um, <laughs> I won't name names, but uh, Oscar winners, okay, say to me, hey, the script is okay, but I've got a great idea for the scene. Let me just do it. And I, and I said, what, what does that mean? Well, I know what to say. You know what to say? The dialogue's on the page. No, I'm going to hand, I'll handle this. I say, great. We roll camera. The actor walks into the scene and they, and they start the scene and they go, they have no idea what to say. Their mind is only on themselves. It's all about me. And actors are a different breed of cat, you know, and they have to be to succeed, frankly. Uh, so what I learned was how to exert control properly. And one way you can do that is basically putting your foot down. I've had actors fired because they would call me at four o'clock in the morning drunk out of their minds saying, I can't do the scene tomorrow. Well, you have to be on the set tomorrow at seven in the morning, three hours from now when you just woke me up. And if you're not there, the show is going to shut down. Well, they show up and they're bleary eyed and everything else. And I'm pretty upset. I'll put it that way. Uh, so 
it, it can become very personal. You try not to let it happen. The bigger challenge is dealing with network executives and notes, uh, things like that. People who've never read the script read it one time and say, well, I don't get it. Well, that's because you were answering your phone and checking your email while you're reading the script, you know. Um, so I've had those kinds of conflicts. But in general, I had a great time. I've, I still have a great time. I did a series uh just a year ago, we did 32 episodes of a show for a streamer, and it was absolutely dream, an absolute dream. Brought in people like Linda Gray and other actors, and uh, it was all a blue screen production, which was terrific and very educational for me. I'd never seen that kind of technology really at work in a dramatic setting. You know, you see it on news sets and talk shows, but um, yeah, it's a constant learning process, and. Um, you know, the business is changing as we speak. It's evolving constantly. I think there's more and more opportunity, frankly, for writers. And we see people rising to that opportunity in the screenplay contest. At the Santa Barbara International Screenplay Awards, for example, we see terrific writing. And of course, we have to select a winner each season. And that's the hardest part of my job right now is is kind of picking. It's a Sophie's choice. One great script, another great script. Which one is going to really win the, that season's contest? That's a challenge, you know, because I know how much work goes into these things. Nobody sits down and says, I'm going to write a screenplay and they do it in, you know, 35 minutes. It takes about, I think, six weeks of constant effort and learning. Um, so that's that's kind of my perspective today. And uh, when you first started, how did you kind of deal with executive notes and like, how did it change over time? Because <laughs> I know a lot of writers, you know, at first when they first get notes, it's, it's very uh, hurtful to them and they kind of can't just look at what the person's saying and, and kind of go from there. How, how did you take it at first? Well, it, uh, I, because I was in at the ground floor in terms of where I was when I first broke in, I got to sit in on a lot of meetings and I saw people like Bruce Geller. Um, and Bruce Lansbury, I mean, people who, Aaron Spelling, okay? You go to network meetings with Aaron Spelling, and there's a network guy who's 32 years old. He's got a, an MBA from some Ivy League school. He's really never been in the business before. And he's telling Aaron Spelling what he thinks about the script. Well, I kind of learned from those guys that you listen and you nod respectfully and you say, that's an interesting thought. Let us deal with it. And then Three weeks from now, the executive has forgotten what he told you, uh, other than the one who told me, take your comedy and make it a drama. So you learn to adjust. It's it's a collaborative process. You're not, you're not the only one. And, and, you know, a guy like Aaron Spelling, who basically dominated network television for a decade and a half, uh, he would take notes and then he would shape the show accordingly. That doesn't mean he caved in, doesn't mean we never argued about notes. You simply listen, you know, and you sometimes you get a good note. Sometimes you get something that will really help or it's an idea that you had never thought of. So initially, I think when you're young and beginning and everything is so precious, everything I've written is absolute gold. My mother loves the script. How could you criticize it? You know, you learn from that point on that. There's going to be a director. There are going to be actors. There's even going to be a cinematographer or a prop man. Everybody has good ideas. The people in the business are pretty smart, frankly. And if you're working at the professional level, they've all done this before. They have lots of experience. They've seen every show. They've seen every movie. They've read a thousand scripts. They may know more than you do about something. So I've always kind of enjoyed that process because, it, again, it is collaborative. If you're, not, if you're not a team player, you really need to go write novels, you know. This whole business is about working with others. Nobody makes a movie by themselves. Nobody makes a movie intending to make a bad movie. 
everybody wants it to be a hit and everybody's trying their best. Some people are better at it than others and you have to accommodate. You have to listen to them as well, you know, because not everybody may be at your level. You may not be at their level. So it's, it's part of that. It's a cooperative attitude. You know, it's really a team sport. And uh, my last question is, uh, what would you give to a new writer starting out? What advice? Well, the advice I would give is keep writing. Don't stop. Don't think that the first script you wrote is going to be very good. Um, what we see a lot of in the contests is people, hey, I've written this script. How come I didn't win your contest? Well, my question then is, how many other scripts have you written? Well, this is, I only need to write one. Well, that's not true. You need three really good scripts before you even think about getting an agent manager or sending it out to producers. Because if it is any good, the first question you're going to hear is, what else have you got? And if you don't have anything else to back it up, frankly, you'll be kind of pushed aside. Uh, a serious writer writes, I think it took me almost, and I and have to understand, I had two graduate degrees in screenwriting. It took me 10 years before I sold anything. And during the 10 years, I was writing almost every day. I wrote spec scripts. I wrote people's other ideas. I had obviously made friends in the business at some point and people trying to become producers who were perhaps assistant directors or production managers. I wrote a script called The Man Who Walked on Wings because somebody had, had an idea about an aerial stuntman in the 20s named Ormer Locklear. So I wrote a full script. We had meetings. We had rewrites. Next thing I know, The Great Waldo Pepper comes out written by William Goldman. Well, I, I was not nearly as good as William Goldman. So my point is, ideas are as free as the breeze. It's how well you can execute how good the team is, things like that. So my suggestion for new writers would be write a lot, get out there and meet other people who want to do what you're doing, or even people who are just in the business or trying to get in the business. Maybe somebody wants to be an art director and you meet them at coffee. Well, hang on to them because at some point in time, they'll become a production designer and you want those contacts. It's really a business of material and connections. You need the material and you need the connections. You may have the greatest script in the world in your hand. And if nobody else sees it, it's not going to happen. And if you don't have three of them, you won't be considered serious. That's my opinion.